This is When Spirit Calls, and you on your journey are in the right place. This show is about magic, miracles, and meaning shared through stories, interviews, and channeled messages. We have so much to share about who you are and your divine mission here on the earth. Let's get to it. When Spirit Calls is right now. Please help me welcome Sandra Bargeman. Sandra has been described as a walking Venn diagram. She has 35 plus years as a professional actor, singer, voice artist, is involved with SAG-AFTRA. She is a seminary trained and ordained interspiritual minister and a presentation leadership coach. The overlapping heart center of these concurrent paths being the ancient Greek maxim, know thyself. Her solo show, The Edge of Every Day, garnered a Broadway World Award nomination. The CD recording can be found on Amazon and CD Baby. She also hosts the weekly podcast, The Edge of Every Day, on Talk Radio NYC. Please join me in welcoming Sandra. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Hi, Sandra. Hello, Deanne. Oh, so good to have you here. Everybody has learned a bit about you from your bio, uh, but I'd love for you to start us off today by just sharing a little bit about your story and how you got into the world that you got into. I mean, you're a creator, you're an the artist, worlds. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Add an S to the worlds. Yes. Yeah, I wear a lot of hats. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, A girlfriend of mine, um, a Broadway actress, um, one day I was talking with her. We were talking about presentation coaching and leadership coaching, and she and I are both doing that as well. And she goes, oh, my God, you're like a walking Venn diagram. And I loved that. I immediately ran to Canva and created this Venn diagram for myself that I actually now use in social media and um, in the profile of my LinkedIn. But uh, it was the three concurrent paths that I walk. And I would love to say that I've walked them all my life. Probably two of those I've walked literally as I popped out of the womb. But the three being the creative actor, the um, spiritual leader slash interfaith, interspiritual minister. And the third is the leadership presentation coach. And, and at the heart of those were those three understandings and paths and circles intersect is know thyself the greek ancient greek maxim (laughs) that is at the heart of all three of those journeys so in a nutshell that's what i do i have been um, a performer and a creative and a spiritual seeker since as i said i popped out of the womb i was I acted and sang, and I was also the kid in the corner that had the antenna (laughs) that could read the energy in the room and was seeing entities and, you know, having my quote unquote imaginary friends. Yeah. One of them just happened to be Yeshua, you know. Oh, typical story. I, you know, I love, I love that in the middle of your Venn diagram is know thyself, because Mm -hmm. I think that right now there's a lot of people who are moving into this space of, well, who am I? What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? And I love that you naturally or innately knew that that was kind of the core. 
And from there, you could branch out into these other specializations or these areas of expertise, if you will, to be able to help everyone else to know thyself as well. And so it's this incredible ripple, you know, the Venn diagram keeps going, Sandra, right? You know, I just <laughs> more and more of the circles. Yes, yes. And going out now. I, you know, I, I just, I love that you've been able to take pieces of who you are. And even though they might on the surface not appear to intersect, most certainly they do intersect. And Absolutely. so that in itself, I think is an important message for the people listening today, because I, I've had a lot of clients come to me and they're like, well, I do this virtual admin stuff and I like it, but I'm very intuitive, but they don't go together. Of course they go together. Of course they go together. <laughs> oh, well, you'll love this story. So I was, a uh, uh, after I was ordained um, through the new seminary for interfaith ministries, that was the first seminary that I attended. I, then I did a subsequent seminary journey at One Spirit, also in Manhattan, but I became a dean of first year students. Uh, and I did that for four years with the new seminary, companioning first year students and and this was exactly one of the topics that they would come to me with, you know, that the notion that, you know, I work in a bank and I just, I want a more spiritual job. And I would, uh, you know, I hear you and I understand the intention behind that. But what do you consider to be a more spiritual job? Mm. Is that something that it looks overt? Like, do you want to be a minister in a church? Do you, does that mean Reiki master? Right. Um, and of course, you know, well, something that just feels more in alignment. And I said, well, understand that there's nothing on the planet that isn't spiritual. Humanity is spiritual. Yes. Any position that you're in, you will bring your evolving consciousness and your growing depth and you will remind people and you will expand everyone's understanding and you will help change the culture that you're in. I so love that you brought this up because I think people get really attached to this idea of, oh, what's my purpose and what's the thing I'm supposed oh. to be doing, right? And then they think, I need to quit my job and I need to start a business. And that's not always the answer, although for many it is, but it's not always. And I think it's so incredible that we can take whatever role we're in and we can infuse spirituality into that role. And I think that's such a powerful message for people to hear because, you know, it's our perception of that role or that job that oftentimes is the barrier or the block for it to be that spiritual job. And so what you just said is basically no matter what job you do, that you can infuse your spirit, you can infuse your soul, you can change the culture, you can do whatever it is that needs to be done in order to create that divine ripple, no matter what the job is. Well, and I also think, you know, there's a, a I do think that there's a struggle for people, particularly in the corporate world, mm. you know, that is so patriarchal. And so uh, it has a system that has been founded right. on, on that and capitalism. And to understand how can we bring this wisdom and the, and open up our understanding of what is professional and what is successful and bring a more depthful conversation and understanding to that and, and, you know, and begin to merge that with and hopefully transform 
the way of doing business in the world. I really love that. And I think that we are starting to see that. Uh, I'm seeing more and more heart-centered leaders, intuitive leaders come to the surface. And that that is the leadership of the 21st century. Yes, indeed. Yep, it is. And we're not doing business in the same way. You know, I think we're going back to, um, you know, conversations and connection in a different way. And there's something to be said about that. I think there's a real magic to that in bringing us into this new space of the 21st century, like you said, you know that we are spiritual beings having this human experience, right? We've all heard that saying before. And so how can we infuse that into our day-to-day, into our jobs, into anything and everything that we do? And that I think is the key. I would agree. And I think that COVID has been instrumental in the collective call to that and reminding, you know, people... As you started out with, people are waking up to that. People who have awoken to that prior are expanding that. But this sense of being thrown into isolation and being, as I like to say, polished by, you know, the the intensity of, at least I'll speak for myself, it was not easy. (laughs) And I am an introvert, but I collaborate and I spent, you know, wallowing a year of wallowing and having to you know like really struggling to be at home all by myself because that's you know I like my alone time I'm an uh, as I said an introvert but I'm an extroverted introvert and I love my collaborations and sitting in front of computers all day no 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 it's (laughs) lovely to get out into the woods and and thankfully I was able to do that and I created this gorgeous salon space Love it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it really was this incredible call to people to understand. So how are we going to reconnect now that we're coming out of this? And knowing that, you know, COVID was like a dress rehearsal, an intense dress rehearsal for climate crisis. Yes. Because it is, we're there. Yeah. And it's here. And how are we going to connect how are we going to communicate? How are we going to come into community? What are these these conversations, these courageous conversations that we must have? And yes, in podcasts, but also in person. Yes. Yes. You know, I when COVID first hit, I started speaking about it being a cure for everything that was wrong with the world. And so I was really trying to look at it from a whole different perspective than everybody else because everyone else is like oh my god like my world is over everyone's silver lining I was and I tend to do that you know it's that it's good you know some people will say I I maybe do it a little bit too much but part of that processing is being able to reframe what the narrative is that's being put out there and I think that that's powerful because once I recognized that I could actually reframe that narrative, that that narrative didn't need to be my narrative, that that my truth could be different than everyone else's truth in that. And I sunk into that and I reflected and I slowed down and I took time to go inward and I spent more time with my kids being present and all of those beautiful blessings came out of that. And I think those of us that were able to do that through that time or this recent time, Um, I I really feel like we've come out on top in a way. The people Mm -hmm. that maybe were struggling with that, now they're starting to see. Now it's starting to kind of click for them and make sense for them. And I don't know about you, but Sandra, I don't want to go back to the way that it was. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't don't think think so either. 
Yeah, I don't think we can, you know, and I don't think we want to because we were in such a sick society in keeping up with the rat race and doing all the things. It was a doing society. And so now we have this beautiful opportunity to move into a being society, right? Of what does it mean to be and how can I still take action or create a ripple without it having to be this driving force, but rather a draw. Yeah. You know, the drawed energy of like the, whatever's calling you. So yeah. speaking what is the hybrid? What is the hybrid? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and that, as I call that, what is the edge of every day? What is the mm-hmm. edge of today yeah. as we move out of that's the basis, the hybrid, the bringing together yeah. of these potentially opposites and bringing them to balance. Yeah. Um, that is the goal. Yeah, of the like, edge of the every sweet day. Spot. Yeah, the sweet spot and the edge of every day. Mm. Um, so that being said, you know, speaking of, you know, having these things happen in our world and being able to choose how we respond, uh, I would love to hear. I know you've got some really incredible stories about where, you know, spirit called you or universe kind of shifted the direction. <laughs> so let's have some fun and let's play in that space a little bit. Do you have any stories about, you know, those ahas or Things that happen. Oh, oh I'm oh. sure that I have a million as I share the, well, of course, the, the first one I've, I've touched on minorly. You know, I, like I said, I popped out of the womb. I was very aware of energy and very aware of the veil and was psychic and all stuff like that there. And, you know, but I was also creative and I had parents that, you know, I wouldn't say were afraid of it, but I mean, I, I don't have recollection of them overtly being afraid, but I, I'm sure that they were confused by me. <laughs> and she's so much. Um, <laughs> and so they, they uplifted the creative. And of course, there was a bit of, I'm sure, my mom living through me vicariously. But, you know, all through, so I did all of that. But interestingly, here's a great little aha. So I do my first play. I'm six years old and I'm in a play. And I'm on stage, and I remember this as clear as day. And I can feel the spotlight on me. Six years old, yoo-hoo. And I can feel the spotlight coming from stage left. And I turn and I look at the person that's on stage with me. And I have this realization that being on stage feels more real to me than real life. Ooh. And I knew... Of course, I was six years old. I'm not going to articulate it like this, but this is what I knew I got then was that I touched into the ancient tradition of where the roots of spirituality and theater come together, this heightened sense of self, Mm. where when you're standing on the stage, this heightened sense of knowing oneself and in the belief, the ancient belief that the gods and the goddesses were being channeled through you, that if you're standing on the stage, that you indeed are a shaman yes. and you are channeling ancient wisdom. And oh. I got that oh. at that age. I mean, you know, bing, bing and onward next and yes. like off to be forgotten and re, you know, uh, and then re-remembered. But I love performing and I love and I still do it and, and it's been a great career, but you know, my, there was always something else for me Yeah. and I was doing, this is another little story, aha moment. I was doing 
Cinderella, the Madison Square Garden um, uh, tour company of uh, Cinderella starring Eartha Kitt as as uh, the fairy godmother. And uh, I, of course, played one of the evil, evil stepsisters, of course. <laughs> I was the tall one, uh, <laughs> the six foot tall I love one. It. So anyway, I uh, around this time I'm really connecting to the call, uh, and I'm really connecting to uh, wanting to step out more in sharing my own voice, and and so I, one of my dear friends from that was the woman who was playing the mother of the prince. And she and I became fast and furious friends. And this was about 16 years ago. And she, life coaching was just coming on the scene. Mm. And, you know, everyone was becoming a life coach and it was a thing. And, yeah. and she was doing that. And she, you know, we were out to lunch one day and she says, you know, you would make a great coach. And I, you know, from what she shared with me, I thought, yeah, I need to look into this. And, and so I did some conferences and I looked into it and it seemed in alignment, but there was something that was missing for me. Mm personally it yeah. felt a little um little like a to-do listing for mm-hmm. me personally yeah it didn't have all the qualities at that time that i wanted at least i wasn't connecting to it yeah so you know i'm getting a couple of clients here and there and i'm just perusing a website one day and up in the corner on this person's website was the word interfit was the phrase interfaith minister mm. and it was like this light bulb went off and i immediately started checking it out and researching it and oh my god and i set up a uh interview and within a week i had interviewed and had been accepted at the new seminary for interfaith studies and bam and it was so fantastic amazing you know i think those spiritual breadcrumbs you know it's um have you read the book the alchemist by james redfield um i assumed as much Uh, You know, and in that book, you know, it really talks about energy and how we can see pathways and some pathways aren't, aren't as bright as pathways. There's even a story where the the guy's in a fork in a row and he's like, which direction do I go? Mm -hmm. And so what I love about this story is it reminded me of that because you could have gone this life coaching way, but it wasn't grabbing you. It wasn't, it wasn't reaching into your soul and saying, Hey, look at me. And so you waited And lo and behold, here comes this interfaith minister popping at you. And you know, right? You know, at that moment, that's the path. And I didn't even know what interfaith ministry was. And I didn't even care. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't even care. And this is what I would tell my students. I said, you know, I don't, I just know this is the thing. It was the next right step at the time Uh, on the bright path. That was it. That's all. And I knew that. Yes. And I knew that I didn't care that I didn't know what interfaith ministry would be. Mm. And I didn't need to know that because, you know, ultimately it's lovely to have that piece of paper. Yeah. However, it was the commitment to myself and the commitment to the journey within Uh. that was the deepest. And I'll tell you, my mother, this is a story here. Now, this is an amazing aha moment. Love it. Not a fun one, an intense one, but it did have its moments. So my mother, when I um, enrolled in seminary, my mother was dying of cancer. Mm. And during my first year, uh, we had had a three-day party for my parents' 
50th wedding anniversary in the Catskills, which is where I'm tuning in from today. And to celebrate the, you know, celebrate them, it was also uh, my dad's birthday and we invited all the family and friends and it was glorious. And my mother was sick at that time, but, um, but she was in her, she had a lot of steroids and she was on fire and having a blast. And she quickly went downhill after that. And that, that was in the summer. And then that fall, I went into seminary. And so I, she went downhill pretty quickly. And so I'm starting my seminary journey. My mother's um, moving more deeply into her transition. And she asks me to be the minister at her funeral. Oh, oh, my heart just, ooh. And, uh-huh. Yeah. And she and I, I would travel back and forth to her home in Florida, which is not where I grew up, but it's where or the last home that she was in. And we planned it and we wrote her obituaries together. Wow. We decided what readings she wanted. Did she want a toast? She asked me to sing, which I did. Uh. Oh, yeah. Totally sang like a crazy person. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, it's good to laugh about it. It's so. Mm enormous and uh it was a, quite an enormous ask and had um as you can it was really an edge of every day yeah. an incredible burden and an incredible gift right uh yeah and you know i would have had it no other way of course i had to do that well how my you- husband is like you were a freak <laughs> Who were you when you did this i mean you know i'm telling it very sassily right now but you right. know yes yeah Oh, but what a wonderful gift that you gave your mom too in that. And who knew that you taking that path would lead to that, you know, and what a gift that was for not just your mom, I think probably for your family as well, um, because of the connection, the bond that you had with your mom. So yeah, isn't that just so I just, it just feels so, so good. I just yeah, baptism by fire. So yeah, I say that she birthed me, (laughs) you do, that she birthed me twice. Ah, ah, see, ah, yeah, yeah. There's something, there's magic in that, isn't there? There's such magic in that. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Totally, totally. Oh, I just, I love that story. I love, I love that you were able to, to be there and create that sacred space with your mom and for your mom. And, you know, you mentioned something, you know, it was a beautiful gift and a beautiful burden. And and that kind of brings me into the conversation about um, uh, people and soul responsibility versus false responsibility. Mm. And I just want to make mention to that because I think that's something that's really important. You know, I bet at the time you just knew you had to do it and you had all the energy and you had all the resources to be able to do that for your mom. Oh, my goodness. That. That is what we call soul level responsibility. Indeed. So even though it might feel big for us and it might feel crazy for us, we have everything that we need in order to fulfill that. When we get into false responsibility, that's that's exhausting and that's draining and that's all the things that we don't want it to be. And so an invitation for our listeners today is to think about, okay, am I fulfilling my life with soul level responsibility where I have all the energy to fulfill whatever that task is or whatever that mission is? Or am I feeling depleted and exhausted? And if that's the case, maybe I need to consider whether or not I've created some responsibility that is not necessary for me. 
And I think we do that. I think that's where a lot of people were stuck, even pre-COVID, of creating a lot of false responsibility. I know I was. I was responsible for this, that, and the other thing, all the things, you know? And once I surrendered to that, then I got these clear messages about, okay, what am I supposed to do? And you also said something else that was really powerful I want to bring up. You said that when you saw that opportunity for your program to become an interfaith minister, Mm -hmm. you said you just knew it was the right next step. Yeah. You didn't know what the big plan was. You didn't know what the bigger picture was. And I think that's so powerful because sometimes we're looking for the full picture. Sometimes we're, you know, and it is important for us to be the observer of course, and to try and look from that bird's eye view. But I think we also get caught up in that of like, oh, well, I need to know what the end game is. I need to know what everything looks like. And then we get caught up in not being present, don't we? We start to live in the future. You know, and Eckhart Tolle says you cannot deal with the future. It has not happened yet. And yet we get so caught up in dealing with the future rather than recognizing that if we stay a little bit still for a moment, and we allow the energy to speak to us that we will know what the right next step is. Mm. And you did that beautifully. Well, I think uh, we can, to your point, uh, there's a lot of getting wrapped up in the story of what it is we believe that we want to create or that we want to step into. I mean, I'm truly not kidding when I say I had no idea what being a minister would be for me. And so many people have, this is the, this is the fun thing of, for me to be a minister is people meet me and they're like, you're a minister? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm an edgy, edgy minister. I can have a potty mouth when I want to. And I am, um, yeah, that's, yes, as it. a matter of it. So you can see them kind of like, this does not compute, but, 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 but. Uh, but that's, I mean, again, that's a fun, irreverent way of saying that there's this this construction of a story that makes you feel comfortable is not necessarily the truth. Yeah. It is simply a story. Yes. And you also touched on something that that I love about COVID, about the not knowing the future. And COVID was instrumental in humans growing their not knowing muscle. Yeah. You know, because, you know, because we're so, we so are, we're such control freaks. And, <laughs> and we just, you know, I don't want to do it unless I know. And yeah. as if there's any such thing, you right. know, there's only one thing that we can be control and is it, it's our understanding that there's nothing else but change. Right. And so I think that COVID was this, well, I know that, that it was, and I'll speak for myself to have had the rug pulled really helped me to grow and to see around me in those in my world to grow that muscle of, I would hesitate to say comfort. I don't know that everyone feels comfort with not knowing, but certainly can, there is a sense of, I'm not going to pull my hair out and go and scream and yell on my pillow. And, you know, I'm going to be a little better with not knowing. Yeah. That that internal, that internal muscle is a little stronger. I love that. And I would agree too. I think there, uh, there's many of us who have found an ease in the not knowing and a leaning into trust and faith, right? 
you know, we've had to lean into trust and faith. We have to believe that there is something better coming out of this. Uh, you know, um, there's this, this story about the farmer who has this prize stallion and the farmer loses the stallion and the neighbors come over and they say, oh my God, what are you going to do without your stallion? And the farmer shrugs and says, who knows what's good or bad. And then the next day comes along. And of course, the stallion comes back with a herd of wild horses. Right. <laughs> right? And so the story goes on. But, you know, the point being is that we are so quick to judge a situation as being bad. You know, we have a narrative attached or a story, like you said, and then we decide it looks that way when in fact, maybe it doesn't look that way at all. And so maybe there's so much more that we're not seeing about that thing that we're judging. And so it gives us a wonderful opportunity to, again, step back a little bit. And sometimes it is about being willing to wait. You know, again, I'm going back to your story. You waited on the life coaching thing and look at what happened in that waiting time. And so waiting is not a waste, I guess, is the point that I want to make, because that waiting can be a good thing to allow us to ground in, to allow us to listen, to allow those messages that are always being given throughout the world um, for us to receive. Absolutely. But uh, I would also say action uh, is also a good thing when you're unsure, when you're unsure, just to just to step in, just to step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the action will send out the, okay, this isn't quite what I want, but yes. I've, but I've been shown more yeah. out of my action. Yes. And you know, the, the good and the bad, the judgment I talked to, um, I did a rap, a middle-aged woman rap Rapping. <laughs> <laughs> in my in my 11th hour song, in my, my show, The Edge of Every Day, the solo show, not the uh, podcast, although I could do that in my podcast, yeah. um, that talked about that very thing, the judgment of either side, mm-hmm. um, who's to say what's good or bad, yeah. and that it's the alchemical balance of these two. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's like a roadmap to 5D, quite frankly, um, yes. that one is good one is bad but that's just a judgment someone else might say the exact opposite it's the acknowledgement of both and then going above uh-huh yes i love that i love the acknowledgement to both and then going above that and you know just like what i was talking about in terms of waiting you know waiting not with the intention of waiting forever you know mm-hmm. you're right we can wait for only so long but the waiting i'm expressing in a way that we can embrace the waiting and be okay with the waiting sometimes, Mm -hmm. as long as we're not using the waiting as an excuse to not take action and move forward. So I think that there is a balance there again, in both sides, but Mm -hmm. rising above that to say, okay, this is the time for me to be still. And Mm -hmm. this is the time for me to take action. action. And, and I think that there is a time and place for both of those energies to exist harmoniously as well. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Okay. So Sandra, you have been doing the work internally, like you said, since you were birthed and <laughs> now not everyone does. It, it doesn't come natural for everyone. So not everyone is going to have that natural connection or that natural knowing. And, you know, obviously you're claircognizant, you have this strong knowing within you, but what would you say for the people that Maybe it didn't seem so natural. You know, I, I joke that I had two near-death experiences, but mm. 
Yeah, but for people to not self-induce a near death so they can expedite their healing process. <laughs> right? Like not a wise move. Maybe don't just self-induce not, your near death. Please don't. <laughs> but an opportunity for someone who's maybe listening and saying, Oh, you know, these these ladies are onto something here, but I don't know where to start. What could you suggest in terms of someone who is like feeling a little bit ready, feeling like they're on the edge? Right. But not really knowing where to start. Do you have anything that you'd want to share? Well, I think, you know, it all begins with being curious. If you're curious about this, you're going to find the thing. Yes. I mean, you just, it's truly that simple. Yes. Now you're going to set the intention. You're going to light a candle if doing a a lovely little ritual is meaningful to you. And you're going to set the intention that you're ready to open up. Mm. You're ready to look within. And you're also going to reassure yourself that this might, to your point, not always look like you think it's going to (laughs) look. Doesn't necessarily mean that Books are going to come falling off the shelves into your hand and life's going to be blissful. It's also going to mean that some of the ways that you've been able to hide from this kind of information are also going to be highlighted. So I say that not to scare. I just say, be aware of it. Again, it's an awareness. It's a a curiosity about what that is and befriending that. Not again, not making it bad. That's right. All of this is in service that your highest knowing. And if you're open to that, that's what, you know, that it is serving you. It's gleeful to be serving you. gleeful to be that you're opening up to this wisdom so yeah go to your local library sit down in the in the interfaith section explore other traditions or explore world religions or explore you know the self-help if woo-woo self-help is not correct for you go into eastern philosophy if that's not your thing then you know get into philosophy you know, there's just a plethora of ways, a plethora of doors to go into. Yes. If it, you know, don't run away from meditating, but if you're called to explore ways of learning how to meditate, do that. If, if not, just sit down and close your eyes and focus on your breath. Mm. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. This is not to say that there's beautiful uh, styles and understandings and wisdoms in, in different ways of meditating that people have brought, brought to their practices and brought to the world. But that's not the only way. And that's that, right. again, there's no right way to do it. I think people, that's really it. Curiosity and an understanding that there's no right way for yes. anything yes. is the thing. That is the thing because we're all discovering our own truth. And so what works for me doesn't always work for the next person. But what we can do is we can share those curiosities and the discoveries that we've had along the way. And when we do that, that creates that ripple for people to be able to receive that information and then take it for themselves or leave it. Whatever they want to do with it is up to them because we've been so busy choosing a way that is not serving us, right? We were told to do it this way. So we're going to do it this way. And this is the only way. 
and realizing now that there are many, many ways and many doorways, as you said, for us to explore, for us to deepen our connection with who we are, for us to listen to those spiritual breadcrumbs, as I call them, you know, as we move through this beautiful journey of life. So I love that, that curiosity and there is your way and not necessarily one right way or a better way than the other, but your way. So what a wonderful way to wrap things up today, I think. Um, <laughs> that invitation for people to be curious and for them to recognize that your way is the right way for you and go on the path. It is so worth it. It is so worth it. Sandra, how can people reach out to you if if someone is looking for spiritual guidance or maybe they're looking for an actress to do some sort of show for them? How can they reach I out? I can wear all those hats. Yes, you can. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, first and foremost, I'll invite you to my website, www.sandrabargman.com. And everything that I do is on that website. And awesome. I am ubiquitous on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Insta. On LinkedIn, um, you can also follow The Plum. Um, that's my salon here. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to be, uh, it's a bona fide salon where we're going to be holding gatherings. I can also do small weddings here. Holding salons to encourage courageous conversations uh. in much the same way that, that you and I do on our podcast. My podcast is also called The Edge of Every Day which you can find at talkradio.nyc. Um, and you can, you know, you can contact me through my website. Um, probably the best way. I'd probably prefer not to give my um, email yeah. out loud because <laughs> odd things always show up. But if you contact me from the contact page through my website, that would Perfect. be fantastic. Amazing. Well, it sounds like you're pretty easy to find. So yeah. I'm sure people will be able to find you. It has been such a delight. You really are such a wonderful light uh, to be around and be present with. Uh, I loved your sharing and, and your wisdom. So thank you so very much, Sandra, for taking time to be with us all today. And uh, we'll see you all next time very soon on When Spirit Calls. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. So happy you could join us today, and we hope that you found comfort and inspiration with wherever you are at right now. If you feel you received a gift in today's message, please pass that gift along to a loved one by sharing this episode with them. To continue this conversation, please join me at rosehope.ca, and when you do, be sure to access your free gift by signing up for the When Spirit Calls newsletter. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon.